the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to try not to yell at y'all all Sunday like I did last Sunday. I am so sorry. I get fired up. The football coach comes out in me, and I just get to going. Whew. But I am excited about what I preach, so sometimes I just can't help it. Huh? Yeah, that's what Pastor Paul used to say. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. Isaiah 9, chapter 6. You may have seen this on outside of churches here on their bulletin boards or something recently. That's where I saw it, and it's what gave me the idea for this message. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today's message is entitled, A Son is Given. A son is given. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that something you just want to see on your Christmas card? A son is given. Do we have any mamas in the house? Who's had their first little baby boy or maybe even a baby girl? And you're in the hospital and that little thing is in your arms and you're holding it dear and you're just all in love. And somebody comes in the room and says, can I hold him? You're like, have you washed your hands? Oh, okay. And and you're hold him right, hold his head up, and you and you're watching like a hawk, you know, right? You know it wasn't easy to give up that little child. But what we're gonna talk about today, that's what not what it meant when it said a son was given. Say this was God's son, it would be more like since you look like Mary. It'd be like the father giving his son to a teenage girl, putting it in your hands in this world that we're living in. Puts it in a new light, doesn't it? A son is given. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son. Now when we see that, we picture that as more of a Resurrection Sunday message because we know from that Scripture what it means that He gave His Son. Is everybody tracking with me? Boy, it's hard to give that up. It's hard to put it in the hands of a teenage girl who's engaged to a teenage boy into this world. This world ain't all sunshine and rainbows as Rocky would say. In fact, it's a world that couldn't even make room for that teenage girl at an inn. Obviously nine months pregnant. 
And they couldn't find a place for her. It's a world where King Herod, an earthly king, is waiting for his heavenly king to be born so he can kill him. In fact, this King Herod, the king of the, the day in which God gave his son to a teenage girl, he goes and kills all the two-year-old and under little boys in the town of Bethlehem trying to kill the heavenly king. Jealousy. Wow. God, are you sure about this? You sure you want to give your son in this world? You know there's going to be a bounty on his head even before he's born? You know he's going to have to hit the ground running and head off to Egypt? Another long journey as a little baby just to stay alive? Are you sure about this, God? Say it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world we're living in. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to disparage Christmas. I'm not saying it's not a joyous celebration. I'm not saying that all the heavenly hosts didn't come down and Hallelujah! He's the Christ the King is born today in Bethlehem. I'm not saying that it isn't a time to, to celebrate and rejoice. I'm not saying that God Himself didn't rejoice because He knew the end from the beginning. My point is, I just want us to see a son is given from the perspective of the giver. It's a, you know, we're looking at it from Hallelujah! God sent Jesus. Woo! This Christmas. But just let's let's just take a moment and look at it from the perspective of the giver. Because you know what? Those human teenage parents that you left him with might accidentally forget him at the feast. <laughs> they lost God, you know, on the way to Jerusalem back from Jerusalem. <laughs> I mean, as soon as he declared, you know, as the Father declares, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased at His baptism. There's a devil. Oh, that's Him. That's Him. Had been looking for Him. Came to Him in His weakest point after 40-day fast. Come to Him in His wilderness moment, so to speak. Trying to, to tempt Him out of His destiny. Trying to, to get Him... Is this heat on or is this me? Woo! I got this new sweatshirt on thing. Hold on a second. I think I'm going to have to cut the AC on. Y'all help me. Y'all, anybody got one of those little hankies I can do? Anyway, say this world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. If you believe it, say it. In this world, you're dishonored in your own hometown. This whole time, you understand, Jesus has done nothing but go about doing good and helping all that, are, that need help, healing all that need healing, delivering all that need delivering. Never done anything wrong to anybody. 
But he is dishonored in his own hometown because they don't believe it. In fact, this is an earth where they want to throw you off a cliff if they don't agree with what you're preaching. It's just something in mankind. I don't know what it is. Where they want to play gotcha politics. They want to send somebody to trip you up. Try to get play games with your speech so they got you. And this is before Washington, D.C., y'all. I mean, this is way back. This has been going on. You know what Jesus thought about that? He said, man, y'all can give that back to Caesar. <laughs> All them games you're playing, render unto Caesar's what's Caesar's. Render unto God what's God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay focused. We can learn something. Say, this ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Y'all help me preach today. <laughs> this is a place where the approval of man seems to carry more weight than the approval of God to many people. We worry about what folks are thinking. We got the fear of man. Where religion is so twisted that you can get in trouble for doing good on the Sabbath. Was that God's intention? Every time Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, aha! We got you! God's house had become a, become a den of thieves. A money-making scam. They want to Kill Jesus just because his light exposes their darkness. He ain't done anything wrong to them. He's trying to help. He's sharing the truth like Nicholas. He's trying to help. But they want to kill him because of it. He looked down and he said, For what good works do you stone me now? Because he knew he hadn't done anything to anybody but good. So why? how could they argue with that? When they tried to gather up witnesses against him to build a case, they couldn't find anybody. They had to get people to lie. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a crazy, crazy earth we're living in. Where you're held as king when you ride in on the donkey, but you're sent away with shouts of, Crucify him! Crucify him! One week later, fickle people. Look at your neighbor and say, Fickle! Fickle! It's a place where you wash your friend's feet and they get up and run away on those feet and desert you in your time of need. Where they release a murderer that they can crucify their Christ. It's a crazy place. And, it, and crucifixion, it wasn't just enough to put somebody to death. It had to be a slow, torturous humiliation to make you... Feel the pain as long as you possibly can before you die. Where they mock and gloat and jeer and slap you in the face with a, a sponge full of vinegar when at your dying request all you're saying is, I thirst. Where corpses are stacked up like cordwood outside the very city where you live in the valley of Guiana. This ain't a good place. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows. But through it all, Jesus never tapped out. He never said, let me up out of here. He came close in the garden. He said, if there be another way. But he never tapped out. And I don't know about you parents, but if I was to watch my son that I had given go through all these things, I might have tapped out for him. 
Boy, I think I would have. What point am I trying to make with all this? Am I trying to bring Christmas down? Romans 8.32 in the King James says, He spared not His own Son, but delivered us delivered Him up for us all, how shall not He with Him also freely give us all things? Turn to that in your Bible. Can you put that up in the King James? Look on this. I want you to look on this. Because this is the point of the whole message. This ain't one of them that's got 14 points and, and 10 keys. It's going to give you a bunch of little points about how to do this better. This, this is my message today. Knowing that God took His Son and He gave it to us. He gave it to a teenage girl and a teenage boy in the, in the condition that this world is in. And it says, read this with me. He that spared not his own son, help me, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God gave his very best into this very mess, Will He not give us everything we need? If, if He didn't show you how much He was worth by investing His best into our mess, what do we need to begin to trust Him? If He, will not, if he gave His Son, won't He give us everything else that we could possibly need? Doesn't it make you feel valuable? That a son is given, not just to hold, but do with him your worst. Because that's why he came. He came to make all things new. God counted the cost, and Jesus willingly paid it. He willingly came. And I think one of the things it was saying, one of the things he was saying by sending Jesus is that I'm not really excited about you having to be born into this mess. God's not excited about you having to go through this. In fact, that's why he sent Jesus. 2 Peter 1. Second Peter 1, verse 2. Somebody sang Jingle Bells or something, I don't know. This, this is hard to hear from God's perspective to see what He did, but it should make us rejoice with those heavenly host of angels that came down to say, for a Savior is born unto us. That's what happened here. He came to save this world. Save us from this craziness. 2 Corinthians 1-2. I mean, not Corinthians, 2 Peter 1-2. May God give you more and more grace. I like that, more and more. 
May God give you more and more of what you don't deserve. That's God's heart. That you just get more and more of stuff you don't even deserve. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. What is the knowledge of God we're talking about today? It said, where I said, God counted the cost and Jesus willingly paid it. God counted the cost and Jesus willingly paid it. And how do you grow in this grace and peace? In the knowledge of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. By knowing that He did this, it's going to do something to you that's going to make you a different person where you can't walk out of here the same knowing what you know now. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. If He gave up His Son, won't He give us everything else we need? Why do we doubt? Why do we let condemnation come? Why do we let that devil tempt us in our wilderness moments and tell us that God doesn't love you anymore? You've done too much. You've gone too far. You can't come back. You know... While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get right to send Jesus. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all of this by coming to know Him. That's what I'm trying to, to emphasize today. To know what He did. To know Him and know His heart. The one who called us to Himself by the means of His marvelous Glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. The Bible says they're all yes and amen to us. Those precious promises are for you so that you don't have to live like this crazy world. That you have all things you need to live a godly life, to come out from among them. These are promises that enable you to share His divine nature. Well, I, I could never be divine. I, there's nothing holy about me. Well, maybe not now. Because you're not activating the promises because you don't think they belong to you. You're thinking they belong to some pastor somewhere, some preacher. Somebody that's got it all together. But God's saying, I've, He's given you everything. And the pr promises of God are yes and amen to you. The promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. He wants you out of this, this dark darkness. He wants you out of this, how, how do I say this? This darkness factory. Where everybody else is just doing what feels good. When everybody else is sinking to the lowest common denominator, just trying to scoot by and get as much for themselves, all in it for me, pride, 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 selfish, 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 selfish. And he's saying all those things that my son had to endure into this world, I want you to help. Let's clean this mess up. I want you to climb that antenna, and I want you to put that star and let it shine for me. I want you to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. 
so others don't have to live like that. I want you to be the smiling face in the line down at Kroger's that might just cause somebody not to commit suicide that day. I want you to be the part of the group that says, I'll go rake leaves. I love helping people. He wants us to have everything we need for living a godly life. You know, your heart craves certain things. It craves acceptance. It craves love. It needs, it needs to know these things. Before Jesus, I was afraid I wouldn't climb the tower. But now that I see Him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, my Prince of Peace, now that I know Him, that I've made it my life to know Him, to grow in Him, to, to, to realize what He's done for me, my life has changed. I can't be that sniveling little pipsqueak I used to be. I have to grow up. Perfect love casteth out fear. And if you live in His perfect love, you get to know Him, then it'll cast out the fear in your life. And you don't have to be held back by anything. You can tell that devil, hit the road. That's what my grandfather used to say, hit the road. Somebody didn't like his house, hit the road. <laughs> Hebrews 2.14. Just over to the left a little bit. Hebrews 2.14. Is anybody encouraged? We're going to make this whole world sunshine and rainbows before it's over. Hebrews 2.14. I don't think a lot of people understand this. It hit me like a ton of bricks one day when I was pressing into the things of God. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Now you know God is a spirit. No man had ever seen God at any time. Before Jesus became flesh, He wasn't flesh. He became a human like us. That's why He had to send the Holy Spirit because He couldn't be everywhere all at once. He said, it's better if I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit. We can get back to spiritual matters. But He became flesh and blood and limited Himself like us. And after His resurrection, He was still, He was in a glorified body, but He was still flesh and blood. Still had holes in his side. Still had holes in his hands and feet. And he will always be a man. Jesus will. He has made himself. He who knew no sin has been made sin for us. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He became a man for us. Let's keep reading. For only as a human being could he die. You see, he couldn't die before. He had to take on a heart that could stop beating. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Because the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, right? He had, blood had to be spilled for the sin that we had committed or will commit. 
For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. But guess what? He don't have it anymore because my Lord Jesus holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave now. He has defeated that enemy. And only by in this way could he set free all those who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Do you know when God asks you to do something and you say, oh, I'm afraid, I don't think I can do that. That fear is the opposite of faith. You're still in bondage that you should have been set free from. Now don't feel all alone because we all struggle with fear. I'm not saying I'm climbing that tower when I leave here. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God either. <laughs> right? You got to you all oh, you testosterone monkeys. Don't try none of this at home. But <laughs> but we're not supposed to be afraid. If God tells you to start a business, if you know it's God, do what he says, you can do it. The power to do it is in the words that he spoke to, over you. When he said we're going to the other side, it didn't matter if a storm came. He was going to the other side because he had spoken it. When he said let there be light, there's no darkness in all of hell could stop it. When he speaks it, it becomes. So don't be afraid to live life to the fullest. Some of you feel so stuck right now in a rut in your life. And there's things that God's told you to do and you keep running from it. And you're afraid. But God's saying, mm-mm. You know, growing up, I didn't have a dad in the house. And uh, I didn't really have much anybody to tell me, you're doing good, boy. I had somebody, you're breaking your neck there, boy. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't have somebody coaching me and saying, you're doing good, son. You're becoming a good, fine man. That's what a man is. I had no standards to go by. I had no boundaries. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any man to step in. I finally had a coach later and a few things, men that helped me out. But because of that, I became a, a classic overachiever. Well, that's not a bad thing, being an overachiever. Well, it can be when you're all you're doing is you're overachieving to compensate because you don't know where to stop. You don't know when you've done enough. You're scared that somebody's going to say, you're not a man. You're not doing enough. That's not, boy, you're weak. And so you just work and you labor harder than others and you try more and you've got this fire in your belly that you're not going to stop, but it's not to please God. It's not... But, it's just because you're scared and you're never fulfilled. I was never fulfilled. I was never satisfied. It was never enough. I could never be enough to satisfy myself or what I thought would satisfy God, my image of God. I didn't know. I was always scared. I'm a big man, but I was scared. I was scared of everything. And one of the things I did because I didn't know God's love, and because I was unfulfilled, I was looking to suck love out of the few people that I had in my life. And I sucked them dry. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. I, my poor girlfriends, and my poor wife, you know. 
She can admit, I ain't attained perfection. I ain't attained very much. She said, I come a long way. But if you see Angie walking down the hallway, it's because I sucked her dry. It's like, give me loving, give me loving. You see, I can't keep my hands off of her, you know. Well, that might be something else, but. I need loving. I need loving all the time. I'm needy. Am I really saying this in church? Out loud? But you are too. You are too the same way. It's a matter, the, the question is, where are we getting the love that we need? We were designed to be needy. We were designed to need love. And you know there's only one way to fulfill it. It's not at the bottom of a bottle. Or thinking to yourself, one more toka, get me over the line. <laughs> Some people jo join gangs so they can have somebody that will be, have their back, you know, to feel like they're, they're welcomed somewhere, a cult, a political cause. My goodness, that's become the new gang. Some people get married. You complete me. Oh, sweetie, you complete me. You're everything. And they're, they're like, I don't know what, you're crazy. <laughs> she can't complete me. I've learned that. She, does, she comes as close as anybody I've ever met, but, but she can't complete me. Only God can fill that hole, that vacuum, right? Y'all have heard that preaching, but we follow fads, and some people just give up on life. They just say, this is the way it is. And then they just live by the TV guide or sit on the couch and eat potato chips. You know, some people believe that Santa Claus is the reason for the season, but that don't make it right. Right? Aren't we the group that should know better? Aren't we the group that should say, it's because God gave His Son. Wow. And we know what that meant. We're that loved. We are that loved. Oh my goodness. Turn to Romans 8.31. We're about to close. Might get out of here early today. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, I heard that. That's a... We can close right now. <laughs> Romans eight thirty one. Now we already, you know, our main scripture was what Romans eight thirty two. But we're going to start back up just a little bit. This, we're going to read Romans eight thirty one through Romans eight thirty nine. Eight verses. But these verses, I could have just started here, read that, declared the service was over, and you could have left here blessed. Look what this is saying. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? Is God for you? <laughs> he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us 
all things. Go ahead and put it in the King James. I messed up and gave you the NLT. How shall he not with him also give us, freely give us all things? Who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Tell the devil to shut up. That voice that's accusing you, he's the accuser of the brethren. That's not God. God will never sit and accuse you of being too ugly, too stupid, too this or that. He may say, you acting ugly, but here's what we can do to change it. But he's not the accuser. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. You are righteous in God's eyes. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can stand before God and he not sit and accuse you about anything. It's not his heart. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. He showed his love by coming. He showed his love by dying. And he's showing his love still today up in heaven, ever living to make intercession for us as saints. He is praying for you. He's not excited when you don't care about that. When you give up. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or if we're persecuted or if we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed out every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep because we're living in this crazy world. But because we're going through the things that Jesus himself went through, does that mean he doesn't love us? No! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Even when you can't see it. Even when it feels like darkness has won in your life. Even when you can't see it, the victory has already been won. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below, indeed nothing. 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 No thing. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was revealed when God gave His Son. When you think about God giving His Son, and how that revealed to you a love that passes human knowledge, when you see Him, He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to Me. If you understand what, what it took to get Jesus lifted up on that cross for our sins, that love will resurrect you like you've never been resurrected. Mm. How can we not succeed?
You know, before I became pastor, I got saved about 20 years ago, you know, and I was working at this job, and I was a gung-ho Christian. I told you, I got saved, saved. And uh, can, you, can you still see a little bit of it? And, and so I got saved, saved, and I was working at this job, and we were having a Thanksgiving dinner in the main room there, and about 100 people waiting in line to go in and get the food, and the, the president of the company, he said, uh, you're a new Christian, aren't you? Why don't you say the blessing for everybody? I said, yes, sir. Well, as soon as he said that, I was like, yes, I'm going to tell them about the complexities of the Holy Trinity. I'm going to tell them how Jesus died on the cross. And, I've got, and I started planning out my message that I was going to say during the blessing of the food. And, but it was a few minutes before everybody gathered around, and then the president pointed and says, God, would you say the blessing? And all of a sudden, my heart rose up in my throat, and it started beating, and I couldn't get my words out hardly. <laughs> but never being one to quit, I started in on the Holy Trinity. No, I didn't, I didn't say anything about the Holy Trinity, but I did say something about Jesus dying on the cross, and I we're all supposed to give our heart to Jesus. <laughs> and bless this food, Lord. Amen. And that president of the company came over to me right after and he said, well, I can tell you're going to be a preacher. <laughs> well, na-na-na-boo-boo. <laughs> How you like me now? <laughs> Many of you probably say, I can't ever picture you being afraid to you know, talk in front of a crowd or whatever. It was fear. But God's perfect love cast out fear. What has happened in the past doesn't have to happen again. If you will press in to God's love, I can imagine that president, he's heard I'm a pastor of a church now, and I can imagine he must think, oh my gosh, I don't know what kind of church he's got over there. Yeah, I'd like to get it. But uh, I was ministering to a, somebody here recently that's got a lot of issues and hatred against the church. You know, some people have been hurt by the churches and stuff. And he's got a lot of anger and stuff, and it's caused his life to go in the wrong direction. And I've been ministering to him. But I noticed at some point that anger will begin to come out, and he'll begin to say hateful things, you know. And we text a lot back and forth. And so I usually just quit talking. You know, I, I just quit responding when he gets angry like that. I found that it just, it, there's nothing I can say at that point. But I love him enough to keep reaching out to him. And so at the end of, he started that. And so at the end of a text, I said, I said, I love you, brother. And I'll support you any way I can as you head towards Jesus. Well, he responded. He said, you're just saying you love me because you're a pastor. And I thought pastors was supposed to support anything I do, not just everything they want me to do. Well, I didn't respond back because I had already quit by that point. But I would say, no, I am not supposed to support you in your life-killing endeavors. I am not support... So, supposed to support you and when you're going straight towards darkness. 
I am supposed to support you when you're moving towards Jesus. I am supposed to encourage you to, to change your direction. And see, that's the way God feels. I'm telling you, God loves you more right now than He ever will. There's nothing you can do to take away from His love. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more because He already loves you more. More than more. And then more than more and more again. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. But that doesn't mean He's going to bless your mess. That doesn't mean He supports the way we behave, okay? I'm not saying that today. I'm not saying we can just live any old kind of way we want to and say, doesn't God love me? That, that isn't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying this is the kind of love that will set you free. God, He does not take pleasure in your self-destruction. He loves you, but He's not supporting your self-destructive behavior. So, for years, my little brother's running up the antenna like it ain't nothing. And I'm finding a reason not to be there when all the families. Way to go, Heath. Way to go. Sometime later, me and my brother, more like grown men now, and uh, we're both well over 200 pounds, you see, and uh, wasn't really safe for Heath to climb the antenna anymore. And so, for several years, Shaw did without the blue star. It was a sad time, I know. But by this time, I'm married. And I've got a little girl, I believe, at the time, or either she was on the way. And I'm this new Christian. And I'm at my grandpa's house, papa's house. And I'm rummaging through his barn. I don't know why. That's just what we did when we went down there. And I find this blue star. Still got the lights on it. From 20 years, 20, 30 years, this thing. I plug it up, they're still working. That's the way stuff used to be built. It ain't like these lights you get today, right? Okay. You don't know if they're going to work when you first time you plug them up. These lights are still working. All of them. Blue lights. And something hits me. I'm, I'm saved, saved. I'm in, I'm, I, I, I am bulletproof right now. I'm not thinking real good, but... My theology's a little off, but I love Jesus so much. I said, Jesus, I'm going to put this star up for you. I am not afraid of anything in this world. And so I grabbed that star, and I put it on my shoulder, and I got them that extension cord and put it on my elbow, and I got the duct tape and put it around my wrist, and I began to climb that antenna. And I guess I was making a racket because my papa would come out and say, What you doing there, boy? I said, I'm going to the top, papa. All of a sudden, the rest of the family comes out, he says, you're going to break your neck now, boy. Didn't matter. I started climbing that little thing. And I get up, and I said, I'm not looking down. I just kept going, and I got to a place where the guy wires were holding on, and I had to go around them. And, I'm, and as I get higher, I'm like 25 feet up. And, and I snuck a peek, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I got my eyes on you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm holding on, and I'm probably climbing with my eyes closed, and when I look up, this thing doing this number here. And the wind's blowing. And I'm like, oh Lord. 
And I look up and there's like 10 more feet to go. And I just kept a climbing. I just kept a climbing. By the time I got to that top, that thing was blowing. And I'm telling you, I held on to that thing like you And I got that star off my shoulder. And I put it around the front. And I clamped on. And I got that duct tape. And I don't know how long it took me, but I was holding on tight. And I wrapped that thing up and I plugged without looking down the whole time doing this number here. And I plugged that thing in. I threw the extension cord down. And I came out, was on the way down. And I got down to about 20 feet. And I was feeling just great about what I just done. And my papa yelled up. He said, but it ain't Christmas yet there, boy. I said, I don't care, Papa. <laughs> Let this love change your life. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven this year. Right? Isn't that what it's about? To be contributing to the light of the world and come out from the craziness and the darkness and to make your life count. To be bold and fearless and courageous like all the champions in the Bible. To have your name written on the pages as not one of the evil kings that did like all the other ones. But the one who stood out, stood tall, and climbed their antenna for Jesus. Wanted to read that song we played today. We never played that because he lives. We played it at nursing home stuff. We never played it here. I don't think. The words say, God sent his son. Yeah, uh, Chad, you come on up and play it for us. God sent his son. They call him Jesus. He came to love, to heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove that my Savior lives. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because He lives, He holds the future and life is worth the living. Just because... He lives. When you celebrate Christmas this year, do it knowing that a son was given. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.